Welcome to the Backstage Project Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Silver. In this episode, we're joined by Keith Pelly, the commissioner of the European Golf Tour. The legendary sports producer and broadcast executive shares many stories and learnings from his 30 plus years in the business. Keith, thanks for joining us. Ah, it's great to be here. It's great to be here. Yeah. How are things in, in, in Toronto? Snowy? Just a little bit of a dusting, and uh, we're generally going to be locked down for a while. So we're, we're getting cozy with the family and making sure we have all of our uh, all of our OTT subscriptions, Disney Plus and Amazon Prime, all ready to go. Well, we just went in. We just went into tier three here in London, but luckily the golf courses are still open. So my boy and I will play golf every single day during the holidays. Might be ten degrees and rainy, but that's better than minus ten and snowy. Uh, but I don't miss the snow at all. Miss watching a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of hockey, but um, uh, but no, I'm quite uh, quite content not wearing a jacket. I do miss getting home. I do miss getting home to see my family and see my mom, and it's it's uh, that's that's the biggest challenge, Mark. Well, hopefully, hopefully things get a little opened up soon, and, and you can do that. Well, I think we're going to spend much of our conversation today talking about your former life in Canadian sports and media. I just wanted to make sure that all, all of your golf followers and fans get their fix right off the start. So I'm just going to ask you, probably, you probably get asked this every time you do one of these, you know, who's in your dream foursome? No, I don't get asked that very often. Uh, I've played with most of uh, the top players now. So there's uh, there are, there are, I don't really have a dream foursome, I guess. Yeah, okay, you know what? I never really thought about it. But if I had a dream foursome, it would be Seve for sure. Because I've been over here now and to hear the Seve Ballesteros stories and what a legend and an icon he was. And we're never having had a chance to actually meet him or, or in fact, play with him. Uh, he would definitely be in my dream foursome because I hear so much about, about Seve. Um, probably John Jacobs, our founder. Uh, he was one of the greatest teachers. I, I had the incredible privilege of, uh, of spending a lot of time with John Jacobs. He founded the European Tour back in 1971, I think, 72. Uh, and uh, he, I remember he, oh my word, how old was he when I first met him? But unfortunately he has passed. But over, over lunch, he tried to change my swing just by actually <laughs> looking at my grip. And it was, uh, it was incredible. So John Jacobs and Seve Ballesteros would be in my foursome. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, if I was playing with those two legends, I'd probably want my boy Jason to play with. So, uh, Seve, John Jacobs, and my boy Jason. Okay, I love it. I love it. And, and I'm not going to tell any of your, you know, your your posse from from back home ab- ab- about that in particular choice. But I, I think that that's a great choice. You know, I did talk to Chiz on, on the podcast early. He was he was actually the first episode that we did. I had such an amazing time working for him back, mostly on the London Olympics after you already flew the coop, but, but you and Chiz go, go way back. And when we had him on the podcast, he described a lot about how you were and how, and how you are. So you're a fast learner, you think fast, you act in the moment. And if you can, if you could summons, you know, your, your, your recollection of, of life, which is quick to do in just a fraction of a second, where did that instinct come from for you? Oh, uh, might be impetuous. 
which is probably not as complimentary. Um, yeah, I love Rick Chisholm. He was, a, he was, a, a, is, a, you know, before he retired, one of the great directors, and and I learned a lot from him uh, when when we used to. Uh, my first event was producing CFL football, and he was my director, and it was at Lansdowne Field, and and I remember uh, us walking around the parking lot, and uh, he's just thinking, you know, well, we keep talking, keep talking, and he said, why are we just walking around the parking lot? And I said, because I have no idea where I parked my car. <laughs> um, so so Rick and I, Rick and I have had a lot of fun. Uh, I, I think I've just had a chance to work with some terrific people, be in the right place at the right time, to be honest with you, Mark. Uh, I, I, I've, had, uh, I've had a really blessed career. It's been spectacular. And the, the people that I've come across and had a chance to spend time with and learn from, is, uh, is it makes for incredible memories and incredible stories. And although it is tough now, I find the toughest thing is based on uh, I've I've been in so many different different um, uh, companies, and you meet so many great colleagues during your time when you're there. But keeping in touch with them all is the most difficult thing. And then you add the time zone in Europe, and it becomes almost impossible. Um, so uh, I'd love I'd love to have you know once a year, 200 people all get together, and we just we just have great stories, and we'd spend days together. It'd be fun because. Uh, you know, as you get older, it's those memories that make you laugh and make you smile. And the people that you work with are the things you cherish the most. No, that's so well put. And hopefully just by you doing this, you know, there's many people who are, who are, have this Keith void they're trying to fill will, will be satisfied for a little bit until you, until you can get back over here. I don't think then you're, that's, that's going to be a, a, a big number, a big number of people that have the Keith void. But I, I, I appreciate that. I have their void. You know, I have their void, but I still tell all the stories and, you know, some of the great stories from, the, you know, the, the, the legendary, unfortunately, he passed Jim Thompson, who was, uh, who was one of the, uh, the co, uh, I guess he was the, the, not the co-founder with Gordon Craig of TSM, but he came in right, right thereafter. And he was a great mentor of mine. Uh, the late Leif Pedersen, who was one of the greatest broadcasters I ever worked with uh, and uh, a great CFL player for Saskatchewan. I had a great privilege to work with him. Uh, Ray Turnbull, who is literally a curling icon and a curling legend. Uh, and uh, the, the the number of laughs I had with Jim Thompson and Luke Pedersen and Ray Turnbull and the stories that I still tell about about my adventures with them in uh, in Canadian television is, is you know, I, I smile just thinking of them and we could tell stories all day. And it's a it's it certainly is uh, is when you when you talk about Rick Chisholm. He's a guy that I can talk to and have laughs and stories about for hours. And that's that's the magic of this media business uh, is is although you're you're you don't see as many people as as often when you do talk to them. You know, it's just like it's just like yesterday. And, uh, you know, I, I I chatting to we arranged a call for tomorrow. Phil King, who's also, uh, you know, a former of course, PSN, former president of Bell Media, and now working for Sony. And and I haven't talked to Phil probably in a year, but it'll be like I talked to him yesterday. And that's the magic of this business. No, it's it's so special. And that's what that's what keeps me you know right in it. And I couldn't leave it for very long. So when I joined the consortium, I, I actually I came in from Rogers on the telco side. Uh, I don't expect you remember all the details. So I'm just helping the audience 
Yeah. Piece, piece sure. it all together. And so my first exposure to the media business, you know, what was the consortium? And there were many of us that were newbies from thinking back to that time. I think that's what made the consortium you know, so special. You, know, you had the top production folks and then a collection of bright minds from, you know, all kinds of places. So thinking about you know, TSN, the consortium, you know, now at, at the European tour, you know, what type of people do you intentionally surround yourself with? Uh, well, it's, a, it's an excellent question. And, and first and foremost, you have to realize that regardless if you're the CEO or a leader of a department, you don't have all the answers and you, don't, you can't drive the, the vision to conclusion at the best without, without terrific people around you. It's all about the people around you. And I think the most important thing is the diversification of skill sets, right? You have to understand your strengths. You have to understand your weaknesses. And then you have to surround yourself with people that, uh, that have uh, the strengths in the areas where your weaknesses are. And if you can do that and then you bring in people with the proper attitudes, work ethic, attitude, intelligence, and knowledge. And, and knowledge, I've always said, is kind of a distant fourth if you have the first three. Uh, if you have a work ethic, attitude, and intelligence, oh, that's, that's what you look for in a, in a leader. Uh, you, you can't be afraid to, to have people that are, that are more intelligent or smarter than you. Uh, you know, I can tell you right now on my leadership team now, um, there are two or three people that are so bright. And sometimes I look at them and I go, oh, my word, you are so smart. Uh, but um, you can't be afraid of that, that, that you have to embrace. Uh, and you have to understand that they know it, too, and tell them that. So I, I, think, I think leadership is all about and, and building a team is all about uh, motivating the people around you. Uh, having people that are that really uh, understand what the vision is and that can execute uh, uh, the vision that you've all congregate, congregated and and decided upon. But yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've had uh, I've had terrific people. But building teams is not just about and building uh, uh, leadership teams is not just about pure intelligence and knowledge. It's also about a fit, a fit with each other. Uh, because there is no doubt there are so many, every, every person is so different and you can't have a bunch of a personalities or you can't have a, a bunch of, of the same type of, of skill sets. You need a wide range and then you need to develop respect within that group. And that's critical. If you get that, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It takes a while. It really takes a while. And, and it's, 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 it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. Some some big pieces come together very easily and others, boy, takes a while. But once you get that fit, it feels really good because the puzzle is almost complete. And once you put in that final piece and you know it, but things change quickly. You know, somebody's going to come and tear up the jigsaw puzzle and take one of the one of the people that you have away because there's another opportunity for them. So you're back fixing the puzzle. Uh, and and it's it's a constant thing working on on teams, but without good teams and without good people, doesn't you're you're done, no chance. Yeah, I mean, much of what you said is like the the, the definition of good leadership, and I, and I've I've been you know privy to being under your leadership for a while, so I totally understand what that means. Although we were, it was a very unique situation being that joint venture, but that that resilience that you need to have uh, as being a leader, where it's not always going to go perfect, and and being being ready to to adapt to that change, and knowing that you know even your you know your your number two could could move on you, and you still got to get up the next day and you know achieve the same objectives. 
Oh, absolutely. Resilience is, is, is critical. Uh, you know, business will take, take you ups and downs, ups and downs. There's nothing like COVID-19 that has actually forced us to, to, uh, to change. And, and if you're not prepared to change, you're going to fall behind. And that's exactly what, what COVID has, has taught us. But, you know, change is very difficult in any organization. When somebody comes in and tries to change something, there is, uh, there is right, right away, there's pushback. And the reason being is, is, you know, the Harvard Business School wrote in 2012 uh, that uh, less than 10% of people that have bypass surgery make a major modification to their diet. And the reason they do right after the reason they don't is because in big block letters it says change is hard and change is hard and you have to be prepared to adapt. But the, as much as change is, change is about decision-making. And wherever you are in whatever business or anywhere you are in life, you have to make decisions. You have to be decisive. And you also have to appreciate that you're going to make some wrong decisions. As long as you make a little more right decisions than wrong decisions, you're okay. But you're going to make wrong decisions. And and if I look back at, at my career, I've made a plethora of wrong decisions. But you just bounce back up and then you make another right decision. And And if your right decisions are game changers, then away you go but you can't be afraid of of failure you can't be afraid of of something not working out because if you don't try it and you don't if, if you're not trying to do something then you're not being innovative and if you're not being innovative you're staying the same and if you're staying the same you're going to fall behind especially in an, uh, an era where everything is driven by technology so if you're not prepared to change it and and you're then then we know companies that haven't changed and we know exactly that if you own their stock you'd be worthless now yeah I, i'm gonna see if i can take this a little further with you uh, this concept yeah, of change sure. and timing so, so so you and i we have a few things in common obviously the consortium uh, yeah both at tsn different different eras but still at tsn and then, and then i found i found a little tidbit here keith i, I found that we were we were both uh we both ran dj companies as teenagers ah did you did you run a dj company yeah i mean we're, we're a couple of years apart but yeah i i had one <laughs> What was yours called? Ours was called Incredible Party Productions. Oh, do you know what ours was called? I do, but I'm gonna. I want to. I want you to have the moment and tell yeah. us. 4D sound music <laughs> that takes you one dimension beyond. <laughs> it was great. It was. It was great. I've been to so many weddings. So have you probably, haven't you? Oh, weddings, bar mitzvahs, oh, corporate events. We started. We started on. Uh, we started on albums. Moved to. Uh, tapes and then moved to CDs. And I can tell you, I remember doing a wedding up in Bolton, uh, which isn't that far from Toronto. Oh no, I remember Bolton. I got some classic corporate events uh, I done. I think it was. I think the place was was called Palgrave at the time. I think that's where it was up in uh, up Highway 50 in Toronto. And and we uh, we did this wedding. And my colleague said to me, "Okay, so do you have the first song?" I said, "No, I didn't get it. We hadn't bought it." And it was sharing the night together by Dr. Hook. I remember it. I remember it vividly. And he goes, well, what do you mean? I go, I, I, I didn't buy it. You were to buy it. And he goes, no, no, you were to buy the first song because you got this gig. Make a long story short, telling the bride you don't have their first song for a wedding is not a really good thing to do just an hour before, you know, the party starts. When that's what we had, we had to do that. And I laugh at it because can you imagine that now? You just go, you know, you know we'll just download yeah, yeah, oh yeah. no, you'll down. I I, oh, I like the same DJing would be so much easier now. 
right? Like it's it's incredible. Like uh, oh my, it was so much fun though. I, I had a, I had a great time. We used to do four or five weddings a night. Uh, we had a bunch of people working with us, and um, yeah, we we were we were we were doing pretty well. And that was when I was 17 and 18 years old. Yeah, it was good fun. Then I started doing I started doing the pub down at 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 Ryerson called the Oakham. Oakham House pub down on Thursday nights, which was a little rowdy and, and fun, but it was a it was it was a great way to uh, to to make to make some some cash. And in fact, after we had all kinds of stuff, we had serving Vegas speakers, lights, and everything, and and all the cash I just put into the bank. And after we finished, I just took that cash and went straight up to uh, uh, in a, to a place called Minden. And I bought a tiny little cottage in Minden. And that's how I got into the cottage business. Yeah. yeah. And I know there's some famous cottage stories, but we, I don't think we have time for all that today. You have a lunch date. Yeah. But but sometime after we both retired from DJing, and I obviously took a look at your your resume and career moves, uh, you know, in, in advance of today, although I know some of them by heart. You know, if, looking back about 25 years, I think since you took your first gig in the UK, you know, you've had this inc- impeccable sense of timing. Um, for making making these career changes, and what, what's your secret to, to knowing when when to make that leap and and say, I've achieved everything that I believe I came here for, and I'm ready for that next one. Uh, that's a, that's another that's another really good question. Uh, I really loved you know when I was president at TSN, I really quite enjoyed that. Uh, and literally, I was negotiating a deal with the commissioner. Uh, Tom Wright at the time for the CFL and two new owners came in, David Cinnamon and Howard Sokolowski. And, and having, having, you know, my love for football, I played football when I was a young kid all the way up through, through high school. Uh, and, um, and then I loved the game, ended up producing CFL, ended up producing NFL football for Fox coming over to Europe and producing the NFL Europe for Fox out of the sky studios back in the mid nineties. And I absolutely loved it. And, and, but I stayed at TSN uh, rather than, cause I, I was going to actually at one particular time, go, go be a, a, a leave, leave TS, leave TSN. Well, I was on my own at that time when Rick Brace asked me to come back to TSN as their vice president. And I was going to go to uh, Fox and be, you know, full-time uh, at Fox and, and my, wife at that time was going to move to Arizona and we were going to have, and life would have been completely different. But instead I came back to TSN, was fortunate to, to eventually become their president. Uh, but uh, when I had the chance to be the CEO uh, of the, of the Argonauts and run the great cup in 2007, that was just too good to give up. And we won the great cup in 04 with pinball as our coach. And I think it was the first time that they had won since uh, the Doug Flutie day since 91 or 92. So it was a big, it was big and it was fun and it was great. Uh, and, and I don't know, it's just after the, it was, I, I, I loved that, that gig, uh, but, you know, running the Olympics in your own country, when Yvonne Fitzsand called and said, you know, come together with Rogers and Bell are coming together. They bought the, the rights for, for 2010 in Vancouver, and they're going to build a separate company. And we want you to head up this separate company and you can build it and do it from scratch. I, that was pretty enticing. And the Olympics in your own country was, was, uh, was just a phenomenal opportunity. And I think, you know, the games that we did in 2010, 
uh, were memorable. And we had so many memorable moments, rather, whether it was the John Montgomery walk with the beard tent in Whistler uh, to <laughs> to uh, Nikki, uh, Nikki's uh, I Believe song done by, uh, <laughs> written by Alan Frew and Stefan Macchio. You know, it was uh, that became, a, you know, I still hear it. It's still on my Spotify. I can still sing every every uh, every word from that that song. And the Olympics was was incredible. And I think the uh, for us to broadcast in 22 different languages and every single every single second of the games on one of our platforms is something I'll be always proud of. Uh, and we we brought the games to Canadians like never before. And uh, that 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 was it was a great high after Vancouver. And then and then Rogers provided me a super opportunity to be the head of Rogers Media after that. And and I think, um, you know, it was it was the most difficult thing there was I had so much loyalty to TSN as having been the president of TSN and now now running Sportsnet. But, you know, I, I, I we had a we had a great run there and obviously did the NHL deal, which transformed that that network forever and and made it number one. Uh, and, and I read a, a text the other day from Edward Rogers that that said that, you know, Sportsnet is is so much stronger right now than any other specialty network. It was it was an incredible uh, I guess it was a tweet that he put out and I read it and I just went, wow, that's, inc- that's, that's, that's phenomenal. So, um, and, and I, I don't think I would have ever left, left Rogers. I, I loved Rogers very much, uh, but I got this call and I turned it down first. And then I was having a, I was having a, and that was a, turned it down to, to come join the European tour. Uh, my other love outside of, uh, football and and hockey is is golf. You know, I grew up with it, and uh, and I love the game. Never had worked in it, um, and and I I turned down this job first. And my wife and I were having a cocktail, and uh, and one night, and she said, "I think you should call them back and say we should do it." And you know, Adrian Montgomery, who is ridiculously successful right now in the e gaming world. Uh, was a former uh, executive at Rogers and was the CEO, I think, of uh, the Vancouver Canucks. And, and uh, out, it, it, you know, he's he's been ridiculously successful. He looked at me and he said, he said, you know, Keith, if 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 life is about adventures, then why don't you go on an epic adventure? Go to go to London. You love London. I loved it back in the '90s when I was here with Fox. You love golf. Uh, and it is. And so I said, I remember I called Guy Lawrence, who was the CEO at Rogers at the time. And he said, you have to do it. Uh, so I, I think I've been in the right place at the right time. I don't think it is about choosing when I want to to, to leave. Uh, I like I like I, I don't like, though, as somebody said the other day, I don't like coming in and, and keeping things the same. Though. Uh, I only like building things. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, after we did the big deal, after we won the great cup, we did, we, we won the great cup. Then we hosted the great cup, you know, with Lenny Kravitz playing and, and, you know, 50,000 fans going crazy in 2009. And maybe after the success of the Olympics in 2010, which was an incredible high and maybe after doing the NHL deal. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I don't think it is any calculated thing in my mind. 
it's just been, I've been blessed working for some great people and having some unbelievable opportunities. And I'm having an absolute blast here in, in, in London. And it's been a dream job. And my boy now is 17. He has a, a scholarship to go to Sacred Heart University in Connecticut to play Division One oh. golf. Congratulations! I, That's I, great. I, sit there, I sit there and I just go. Life is great. You know, we just filed for indefinite leave to remain, meaning uh, we have now optionality. That's one, so we can stay here as long as we want without a visa now. Uh, so I passed the UK test. I can tell you all kinds of things about uh, the Magna Carta, things that you you. Uh, you wouldn't need you wouldn't need to know what you do need to do to pass the test. So I, I, I don't, Mark. Listen, life has been great. I've been I've been fortunate. No, listen, you're 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 actually answering all my questions. Phenomenal job, and and I and I know you're you're tight for time. So I'm going to close with just one. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We try to ask all, all the guests on the show some standard questions, but we're, we I think we're just going to have a doozy for you to to help wrap it up. Yeah. So okay. what advice do you have for our listeners who aspire to run a media business or a sports business one day? Huh? Uh, well, if you're, if you want to aspire to work in the media and you want to aspire to work in sports, then first and foremost, never give up your dream. Too many people um, kill kids dreams too early, you know, and, and that, that is my one challenge with sport right now is that, that if you're a 12 or a 14 year old or a 16 year old, they deem you not good enough and, and, and never, never kill a dream of, 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 of a child, you know, never, never, you know, if you're 12 or you're 14, build them up, build them up, let them try, let them find out. Uh, And it's the same thing, which I would say when you're, when you're 20 and 25 or, or, or 30, never give up that dream. Never give up the fact that if that's what you want to work in, then you have to determine one thing. And that is the key word is how much you want to sacrifice. And sacrifice is the key word. Uh, and if you're prepared to sacrifice and you're prepared to put in the time, anything is in fact possible. Um, you need those four characteristics with, with a, a work ethic, attitude, intelligence, and knowledge, but knowledge is being a distant fourth. I can tell you, you know, I'd never worked in golf before I came here. And, uh, and, and really, I, I try to work, you know, for me, it's all about work ethic and attitude, uh, because I know there's a lot of people that are, that are much brighter than I am. Uh, I, I would say my advice, though, is when you're trying to get into sports or when you're trying to get into media, Understand that you are trying to get into a ridiculously small industry. You're not, and very, very competitive, especially sports. So if somebody says, I want to work in sports, and then if somebody goes, I want to work in sports television, then that's even more really competitive. Uh, you know, you can, you can walk wherever you are right now, Mark. If you, if you go to the nearest city, whether you're in Toronto, Montreal, Calgary, and you are in downtown and you look around at the buildings, you can, you know that every single building has accountants and lawyers in there, but not every single building has sports people in it. The competitive nature of being in sports and being in media means you're going to have to be that much better. It means you're going to have to work that much harder because it's more competitive because there's not as many jobs. It's like supply and demand. However, having said that, what I tell what I tell kids is what I told my niece uh, some ten years ago, 
And I said, listen, there's only 168 hours in the week. And, you know, if you're sleeping by the time you sleep, you know, seven to eight hours a night or whatever, but, you know, that, that gives you 56 hours, leaves you 112 waking hours. That's what you have a week. And in any job, by the time you get up, you go to work, the whole thing, it's going to be, even if you're just working nine to five, it's still going to be 50, 55 hours, at least a week by the time you're commuting there, getting ready for work. So it's probably more in the neighborhood of 60, but let's say it's 55 or so. That means half and half of your waking hours, you know, more than half of your waking hours is working. So you better find something you want to do. I like, you know, I, I, I remember that I work when I was working downtown at an import export company and uh, in, in, gosh, in the late eighties for a summer job and going up the elevator at, at, you know, and these two ladies were talking about hump day. Now, you know, at, at, uh, you know, that's when I was 18 or 19. So you're, you're kind of, you're looking over at them and they're saying yeah, it's hump day, meaning it's Wednesday. I said, you got two more days for the weekend. So they were living their whole life for the weekend. And I went, I'm never going to do that. And, and I've never worked. I've, I've just enjoyed it. And so the, the, the advice that I give to everybody is do never, never, ever um, allow your dream. If you have a dream to work in golf, if you have a dream, do everything you possibly can to, to chase that dream. Understand, though, that you're going to require an incredible amount of sacrifice because you're moving into a competitive environment. So you're going to have to be better than, than others because it's so, it's so small, but remember, you know, how many hours there are in a week and how many waking hours you have, you know, try to try to find something that you love to do because otherwise then half of your life is spent doing things you don't want to do. Sage advice from a man who's made who's made many sacrifices. You're we're, we're, we're sorry that you know you're not coming back to Canada anytime soon. It looks like the UK is your home for the foreseeable future. I I still no no I, I Mark I I will I will eventually be four hour four four months five months a year in Canada and four or five months here and then two or three months maybe in Portugal or Spain. You know. But, oh, it uh, sounds and it sounds beautiful and with where you're at in your career, I know there are many people who who are obviously envious of uh, of the flexibility that you provided for yourself you are certainly the most charismatic and one of the most inspirational leaders i've had the chance to to be around in, in my career this is a real treat getting the chance to talk to you about topics that i'm sure you don't get asked every day because everyone wants to know you know no. how's the schedule coming for 2021 and, and i know it's out now <laughs> you know what to be totally honest yeah these these questions i i uh, i have not answered before no and and to think back about yeah to be honest it gives you a chance to reminisce a little bit think about uh, some of the great memories and that's what we have in this 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 incredible world is memories and and this industry and you know it uh, allows us to create memories meet some really interesting people work with some different people different experiences and so I, I would encourage anybody to get into the media and get into sports but chase what you want to do. Chase what you want to do. You're only on the planet once. And don't be afraid. You know, like, don't be afraid of making a change. You know, people say, hey, listen, what happens if I went there? You know, uh, uh, you know how many people thought I was crazy going from TSN as president of TSN to the Argos? 
but I had two brilliant owners and I loved football. And I said, so if it doesn't work, something else. And then, you know, leaving, leaving, leaving Rogers, which was great. And I loved Edward and I loved Guy Lawrence at the time and, and to come here, but the experience, I've been to 44 different countries, you know, my family, you know, I, I, my family just love it. And the experiences that we, that we have had and the places that we have gone is, is staggering. So it's, you never know. Don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to, to change. Don't be afraid to fail. Now, I've failed lots of times, but you know, I just, I just bounce back somehow. <laughs> oh, you do. You do. And I, 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 I'm living in, you know, in your footsteps, looking at your changes and uh, I'm very similar with, I got, I got to make the most of the time that I have here. And, and Keith, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. What you, what you've shared with us is that that's exactly why Andrew and I decided to do the podcast. We wanted to hear these stories. Yeah, no, it's great. We wanted to know what's going on backstage. Yeah, no, those are, that's, it's a different, this is a different podcast. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks for including me. I, I, I enjoyed it. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been great to uh, share some stories. I hope they're of some interest. KP, thanks so much. I hope you're good with time and be safe. Thanks, pal. See you, Andrew. See you, Mark. Thank you so much. Be good. Thank you. You too. The Backstage Project Podcast is brought to you by Ready, Set, Go. They help organizations create extraordinary digital products. To learn more, go to readysetgo.design. If you would like to get in touch with Mark and the team at the Backstage Project Podcast, please email us at info at tpbpodcast.com.